Good morning, church family. Today's scripture reading can be found in Luke 4, verses 14 through 21. I'll be reading from the NIV. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, I've got to be honest with you, I miss the rain. I do. I didn't quite get that fire built last night. I want to go home and build that fire and feel that thunder outside. We're getting a lot of feedback, Terry, on this mic here, I think. We um, woke up this morning to frost on the roofs, which is a rare thing in Glendale, and beautiful vision of the snow-capped mountains, and I thought I was in another place for a little while. Um, and uh, Sabbath school and church called, and I'm here. Beautiful day. So as soon as this is done, go out and enjoy it. Let's make the most of what God has given. Well, um, we are still in this season of revelation. I know it's new for me, it's new for you. In the reading of today's text, Lance read us. Are you still getting hearing feedback? Still getting feedback. Is that better? Good. Okay, that'll help my sanity along the way too. In the text that was read in Luke 4, Jesus is doing something that he has come to be accustomed to doing. He's taken his place among the men in the synagogue. Women were there too, but it was men who led. Jesus had, of course, already long since been circumcised and named and gone through his bar mitzvah and had been uh, apprenticing these years in his in Joseph's carpentry shop and, and preparing for ministry. Sabbath after Sabbath, as was his custom, it's one of the pieces that sometimes gets pulled out of a passage like this is that Jesus kept the Sabbath. Sabbath after Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. And like we do in Sabbath school and somewhat in church, scripture was read and talked about, debated, interpreted. Interpreters of scripture were sometimes read, Torah and Mishnah. And Jesus speaks, he's a very popular teacher. He speaks with quite a bit of authority. He has interesting and decisive points to make. And he's stood up today in the synagogue 
as of this reading, stood up to read. And he reads from perhaps one of the best known and most beloved of the old books. Psalms were incredibly well known by Jesus. He refers to them probably, the New Testament refers to the Psalms probably more than any other book. Isaiah is quoted a lot as well, this major prophet. And Jesus picks up the scroll and rolls it out and rolls it out. It may have been a series of scrolls. And he finds what we call Isaiah 61 today. Turn with me in your scripture to Isaiah 61. Bible interpreters today see this work primarily as referring to the Messianic. And I think I would agree with that. But there's something going on as Isaiah writes this as well. In Isaiah 40, we find a reference to a people who've inherited a double portion of punishment think about what has happened to God's people at this point lots has happened the golden age of Israel has passed wicked kings lost their kingdoms to foreign invaders The people have been scattered to the four corners of the earth. They've lost connection. Nehemiah 8 would be a good reading for this. They've lost their connection with the word of God and with the law. With the promises. Not completely. No. But all of this disaster, all of this devastation all of this spreading out has taken its toll there's this sort of death if you will of temple and life and culture that they're all living with and experiencing despite the pockets of it around the world and isaiah speaks words of comfort and hope to these people points to a time that will be better than the golden age of Israel. It'll be a renewal. It'll be the time of the messianic age in Israel. And these words ignite every hope. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Who do you think the poor were? As Isaiah writes these words, they were the captives, the slaves, these disenfranchised Jews away from their own countries, the diaspora. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you go to the Western wall of Jerusalem today, you'll see people mourning because the presence of God in the Holy of Holies is not there. 
The temple is gone. There is no temple. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Does that word favor evoke anything? Glory to God in the highest, we said at Christmas. And on earth, goodwill to those on whom his favor rests. Favor. And the day of vengeance of our God, not only will we be blessed, but there's going to be retribution for those who've done this to us. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. The imagery here is so rich. We're talking about banquet versus humiliation. You've heard of sackcloth and ashes? Very real. Times of mourning, garments would be torn. They would abase themselves in dirt and ash, cover their heads, sometimes shave their heads. These were times of repentance for Israel, times in which they were instructed in ancient, you know, ancient times to abase themselves, to remove all of their jewelry, to uh, cover themselves in sackcloth and ash. It's time of utter repentance and humiliation. Mourning. By contrast, the oil is an anointing. It's an elevation. It's a symbol of grace and healing and the presence of everything good. To have your hair oiled would be the same for us today as a a good shampoo and set, I guess, or I don't know what the equivalent is. And to put on good clothes, garments of feasting and celebration. As we would say in the American phrase, the Sunday best, or in our case, the Sabbath best. There's a total change of attitude, a total change of season, a total change of spirit, a total change of status, a total change of perspective. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And we could not be in a better place to understand that text. On this campus are some of the most beautiful oaks you will find. You can't move them. And should, heaven forbid, a branch break, you cannot be under it. If it's even four inches, it will crush you. An oak doesn't grow overnight. It's not a quick-growing tree. It doesn't just sprout up and become massive. It's drought-resistant. It endures over time. In fact, it hates wetlands. It likes the harsher, hotter climate. And over time, it 
grows into something gnarled and powerful. Reminds me of my fire. I like to burn something like oak because it burns a long, long time and very hot. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And now tables are going to turn. Instead of being the aliens, aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples who will see them. All who will see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. This is an extension, isn't it? Of that which was promised to whom? Abraham and Israel, yes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make the righteous, will make righteous and praise spring up before all nations. No more mourning. No more sackcloth and ashes. No more humiliation. It'll be like a wedding. It's going to be something glorious. And we fast forward to Jesus on the Sabbath day in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a city that's built in something like a bowl. The mountains kind of go around, as it were. And if you were looking at the bowl topographically, down from the peak of the mountains toward the base of the bowl by the valley is where all the dwellings and houses are. And if you go on a road up around the bowl, as it were, If you were looking at it aerially up on your right, there is a little bit of a mountain with a little bit of a brow. And just think about your eyebrow and how it extends a little. And there's a bit of a cliff there. And that's the context of where this reading is happening. This place where the incarnation of everything promised is going to be rejected. And so Jesus reads this passage and the mystery deepens. The mystery deepens because he says, today in your hearing is this fulfilled. Boy, talking about 
ticking people off. Let's go to context. They're in Nazareth, and do you recall what was said of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was not the place where great things were going to happen. And in 35 AD, or whenever this was uttered, who was in charge of the world? Rome. Who was in charge of Nazareth? Rome. Were the Jews all gathered back and free? Had the oppression ceased? Was there a double portion of land now in their possession? Was the wealth of nations theirs? Was it a time to sing and dance and celebrate? Woohoo! It didn't feel or look like anything that was prophesied had happened. And Jesus says, today in your hearing, this is fulfilled. They were not impressed. They were not impressed. Verse 20, he rolled up the scroll. I'm in Luke 4 now. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eye of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many, many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. But a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him up on the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I love that passage. What is revealed? Oh, several things are revealed. First of all, the messianic fulfillment doesn't necessarily extend to only literal Israel, does it? The messianic fulfillment doesn't depend on the visible circumstances 
of a definable people or nation. Israel. The fulfillment of this word doesn't mean it's going to be accepted. And the fulfillment of this word doesn't mean that Israel is where the seed is going to grow best. We learn through the Gospels, we learn through the writings of Paul, that Israel would become something spiritual. Last week I spoke of Romans 11 and the grafting in that took place. We see again an expansion like an exploding black hole, just matter everywhere, energy everywhere. It's a new paradigm. It's a revelation of a God in Christ who came to save not just a people who had had a double portion of punishment as well as been promised a double portion of blessing. It wasn't just about one occupation or another or the restoration of the golden age of David and Solomon. It was about a broader message people everywhere. And Jesus teaches this. If you turn to Matthew 5, Luke also has it, and interesting variations between Matthew and Luke, but turn to Matthew 5, and you'll see this message of Isaiah 61 interpreted by Jesus for the multitudes and carried out. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. We talked about this in Sabbath school this morning. For they will be called sons of God. What a high calling. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsify all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see it? Is this not the message translated of Isaiah 61? Is this not what Jesus said was fulfilled in your hearing in Luke 4? And it doesn't stop there. Not only is the social order upset, not only is there now no distinction between Jew or Greek, free or slave, male or female, as Paul puts it. But there's a tremendous blessing available to all who hear this gospel. Matthew 25 later in Jesus' ministry, 
another very long segment of his teaching, just like the Beatitudes. And he's speaking now not just to the Messianic age, but the age after the Messianic age. What will happen when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him as he sits on his throne in heavenly glory? It says in verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another. His shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, notice the language there. It isn't tied to any people or ethnicity or race or gender or any other division that you want to cite. It is simply sheep and goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Sounds good, doesn't it? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you practiced hospitality. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you didn't leave me there to rot. And then the righteous are going to say, when did we see you in any of those circumstances? And Jesus says, and when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. The revelation keeps coming about the babe who was born, of whom angels sang, whom shepherds heard this wondrous sight and saw it. And were sore afraid and went to see the babe themselves. The revelation continues from the words of two righteous who in the temple looked day after day for the coming of the king and were able to bless Joseph and Mary. She held what they said in her heart. Those words carried her as she raised this Christ child. The revelation continues with the visit of three magi and their entourage, their gifts, their blessing, their attention, their acknowledgement of the king, and their honoring of him as opposed to Herod. The revelation continues as Jesus fulfills prophecy. The revelation continues as this fledgling ministry opens with this dramatic pronouncement. This passage so tied Isaiah 61 to messianic expectations and Jesus declares it fulfilled despite the circumstances of the day. And the message continues to deepen the mystery as Jesus teaches. Blessed are the poor. Hey, wait a minute. I thought it was the rich who were blessed. 
Blessed are those who mourn. What? You mean experiencing loss is some kind of blessing? Or are you speaking of the comfort of Israel? Jesus turns the world upside down very early in his ministry. And when he describes the separation of peoples, he doesn't describe them as Jews and Greeks or Romans. Males or females, slaves or frees. He describes them as sheep and goats. He describes them as those who've internalized this mystery of fulfillment and those who've rejected it. And I want to ask you today to just give space in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Give space for this mystery to grow, for this mystery to deepen, for this revelation to come of who Jesus is and who he is to you. And what it means to be blessed. What it means to have celebration. What it means to be a bride, as it were, adorned, ready for her husband-to-be, the groom. What it means, all of this wonderful, rich imagery. What does it mean to have a double inheritance? Let the mystery grow within you and the kingdom with it. For what we have read has been fulfilled in Christ. So, Lord, we do, your people on earth, repeat this loud amen. For truly has your word been fulfilled in our hearing this day. Amen.